Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Progressive Bitcoiner. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have on the show my friend, George Kaloudis. Now, George used to work for Coindesk and was the resident uh, Bitcoiner over at uh, Coindesk and used to do so many different things at Coindesk and is such an amazing writer and has a lot of interesting thoughts on Bitcoin and our world. So I was really excited to get him on the show and have a good conversation and just hang out uh, in, in this episode because I love talking with George and I hope you all enjoy this episode as well. Uh, we talked about so many different things. We talked about uh, the landscape of Bitcoin, its regulatory landscape, Bitcoin ETFs, uh, movements within Bitcoin, uh, mainstream culture and Bitcoin. We talked about where things might be headed in terms of the millennial generation and mass adoption next year and what all of that might look like with Bitcoin price action and so many other things. So I hope you all really get into this episode and give us some feedback as well. Um, you can always reach me at hello at progressivebitcoiner.com. And I know George would love to hear from you and connect with you as well. So for those of you that have been missing George uh, in the Bitcoin landscape and having his voice out there from Coindesk, he's still active on social media, but I was really excited to bring him back into the light through our podcast. So thanks for so much, George, for coming on and doing it this and for those listening. And now if you're listening to this, I'm also assuming and hoping that at this point, our weekly newsletter that I am starting uh, will be out via uh, Substack. So we're doing a TPB weekly digest, which will be a weekly newsletter from me just talking about news from the week, uh, Bitcoin news through that progressive lens that we bring to the podcast, focusing on things like human rights, the environment, Bitcoin mining, uh, social inequality and injustice and things like that and covering uh, Bitcoin news. So be sure to subscribe to that in our show notes if you haven't already. And be sure to check out our sponsor promo links as well uh, from Bitbox and from SAS Mining. So please take advantage of those promo links to support the show and to get discounts uh, from our awesome sponsors. All right, I will let you get to the episode now and we will see you again next week. Hey, George, welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner. How are you? I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Happy to have your voice back and on a podcast to talk about the crazy world of life, crypto, Bitcoin, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, before we jump in too much, do you want to tell people who may not know about you, your previous, you know, all of your writings, your previous work, Coindesk, all of that? Um, do you want to tell people a little bit about who you are and and uh, what you yeah, like to you, think you about? mentioning me like I'm some sort of lost myth. It's kind of fun to hear myself in my cans again. <laughs> Let's play it. Let, let's play yeah, into yeah. that. It's just yeah. nice to hear myself again, talking to myself in my ears. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. So thanks yeah. for having me on. I'm George, George Kaloudis. Whoever knows me or doesn't know me, I suspect most people probably don't know who I am. But I worked at Coindesk for the past two years and was laid off in the most recent layoff riff, as they call them, reduction in force in August. And for those two years, I was working as a quote-unquote research analyst but really what I was doing there was the, I was the resident Bitcoiner. I was pretty much the only person at Coindesk that truly understood, at least at a service level, every aspect of Bitcoin, the technical side, actually really mostly the technical side and everything else kind of filtered in through. And so I did that for two years. Mm -hmm. I did a year where I was writing research reports, you know, sort of these very boring PDF reports. Why is Bitcoin bad for the environment? Is it bad for the environment? I wrote about hash rate ribbons, which is some sort of like technical analysis thing, which I didn't really care for very much. But to these, you know, long 20 page PDF reports, boring. Eventually the research team disbanded. I joined the, what we were calling at the time, layer two, which is I think online magazine. So if you have ESPN, the website where it's all news, that's coindesk.com. And then we had ESPN, the magazine, which was layer two. I was writing opinion uh, pieces, had a, <clears throat> excuse me, had a newsletter, did all that, wrote about Bitcoin, lots of good fun. And it ended, unfortunately. Prior to that, I did five years of investment banking, working for, for big finance, if you will. And uh, that's sort of how, where I am now. And so now I'm on a podcast with my man, Trey. That's awesome. How does it, how does it feel to... I know we'd be mess been messaging back and forth and it, it's not like uh, I was joking with, with George for those listening right before the call that like, you know, last time I feel like I saw a visual of you, you had like shorter hair. Now your hair is longer. 
And I, I'm just imagining that you just emerged from like yeah. a cave and you've just been sitting with your Yeah, your I've been thoughts. sitting with my thoughts. Um, I mean, you haven't been... T- you haven't been totally in the dark. I know you've kind of hinted here and there. You've been trying to work on some other stuff and writing and and things like that. So, you know, I guess I get a bit cutting to the chase. What has life been like post Coinbase, post being so steep? You know, both both because you're coin, Coinbase. What did I say? It's okay. Oh my gosh, we did Coindesk. that when, when we worked there. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, I was thinking about those Coinbase ads that have been That's coming out recently. Um, yeah, they actually are. Um, but, you know, being so immersed in crypto land, Bitcoin land, all of the landscape of that um, in the U.S., both professionally and probably personally and passionately, just kind of putting your all yeah. into it um, day in and day out. So being in that for a couple of years and then being out, you know, what is that? What has that been like? Yeah. Um, I, I think you? this is something we might end up touching on a little bit more later, but I think it's been very refreshing to be able to step away from the craziness because there is a huge information overload that you have to sift through when you're doing the job in quote unquote crypto, especially crypto media, because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of noise. You know, that's the, the classic thing people say, try to find the signal in the noise. Doing that is a, is a full-time job. And that was what my full-time job was. Mm-hmm. Getting away from the crypto world has been, as much as it sucks to lose your job and to lose income, it is very, very, very nice to realize that what felt like life or death every single day in crypto world, as, as crappy as it may sound, it's not really the truth when you get out into the real world, right? It's still this mm-hmm. small little niche part of the universe. And it's not big yet. Sure, it's going to get big. That is, I think, an important thing for a lot of people who are in the space to actually recognize is that Although we have, quote unquote, won a lot, probably exceeded expectations of any single person, even Satoshi, it's still really small. The other thing I realized is, there's actually two things here. There's a lesson that's not, you know, Bitcoin related or political related or sort of a life lesson is that getting laid off, while it sucks, may not be the worst thing that ever happens to you, man. And if you can actually mm. say that, and I can say that, you may be able to say that. Other people that I know who have gotten laid off have been able to say that. People who are, like my dad, who was laid off years and years ago, he could say that. That is a profound blessing of being really an American that we could live, get laid off, and it not be the end of the world. It's kind of a crazy thing. We have social safety mm. nets. And, and that, again, I'm on the Progressive Bitcoin show right now, so I'm saying these things that progressives like. But yeah. it's nice to have those things available to you still. And I'm lucky enough to have a wife who has a job, all that good stuff. The other thing that I've been doing, kind of realizing during this time down, is that I'm writing a novel. And writing a novel is really fun. Writing about Bitcoin is fun too. But I'm glad I'm able to step out and really exercise that muscle. Because writing fiction is different than writing a story that's been written for you. Yeah. And so I have a lot of fun doing that. It's uh, been good. I worked for, you know, seven straight years and it's nice to take a step back it's uh it's been fun yeah i think it's such an important notion because even gosh even even doing whether it's this podcast or interacting with with people you know I, i think every week that goes by i get more and more convicted about trying to have conversations or make content or even um reach out and talk with people behind the scenes whether it's about the regulatory landscape or environmental stuff and you know, having a lot of conversations off this mic and not like tweeting yeah. about it or like, you know, putting out like content about it, just trying to build momentum. And, you know, you suggested one of the things we might want to talk about is kind of Bitcoin movement stuff. Um, one thing I'm constantly checking with and talking with my wife and friends about is like, hey, that sentence I just uh, said, did that make any sense to you? Or is that just this like Bitcoin Twitter bubbler? And, and a lot of times just even the most basic of things, it's like taking a step back and communicating in different ways. So that's been an interesting challenge for me is trying to get more and more focused about talking about things in really plain ways and not in in simplistic ways that like someone can't just like Google about Bitcoin or something like that, right? right? But just having a conversation about is what we're talking about being incorporated and can be incorporated into like the real world. Do we sound like real human beings talking to each other right now? Um, Or do we sound like AI robot clickbait of like Bitcoin to the moon all the time or, or, or whatever silly stuff. Yeah, um, I think, I think it's too. really important. Yeah. 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 Um, 
So, so just in terms of, so when did you start working at CoinDesk? So you mentioned a couple of years. Yeah, it was March 2021. Yeah, so pretty pretty wild time. That, um, if memory serves me correctly, I've said early 2021 on here a lot before when I first bought and jumped into Bitcoin, but I think it was probably right around March 2021. It was when Bitcoin dipped again. I do remember that. So it wasn't at the all-time high, but it was when it dropped back to like 30 or something like that. Um, yeah. Was when I was like, all right, let me let me go in on this. Um, and, and learn more. Since then, I mean, that's been a, a crazy time to be at to be in the to be at Coinbase. Uh, I keep saying Coinbase, Coindesk. Yeah, God damn it, Brian Armstrong, he's done a good job. Yeah, of just searing Coinbase into the brain. He stole such um, an important part of the Bitcoin technical, mm-hmm. uh, whatever uh, nomenclature, and has made uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where I first bought Bitcoin. Um, okay. Yeah, it definitely was. But anyway, um, it, just being at CoinDesk, writing and thinking in the space, that has been a wild couple of years. Like, how do you reflect on everything that's been happening in in Bitcoin during that in the past couple of years and then going forward? Yeah, the last two years, you know, we talk about or people talk about the price of Bitcoin going parabolic someday, the price of all crypto is going parabolic. And I think the the level of sophistication and i hate using that term because it's used in finance to talk about people who are allowed to invest in certain things and mm-hmm. you know the people who aren't but the level of sophistication has grown so quickly i've i've my story in bitcoin is that i've kind of been around for a while because most my dad introduced me to bitcoin way back in the day when i was you know I was still i just got my driver's license man i wasn't concerned about hard money or anything mm. But that was, you know, dark web days and things like that. Even, and it's grown a lot since then. The last two years have been crazy from the aspect of just it growing and the fact that politicians talk about it either mm. to, I mean, politicians talk about it to gain favor one way or the other, right? You right. can say you're against yeah. Bitcoin, you get whatever sect of one party happy, mm. and then you say you're for it, and you get the other sect of the other party happy about it. It has been, honestly, anyone who says with a straight face that they could see how quickly Bitcoin was going to grow from just a narrative perspective in the past two years is probably lying to you. Mm. It is. It was yeah. unfathomable when I joined that so many people I knew would actually, <laughs> they were probably asking me about Bitcoin and crypto because m- number go up, mm. but so many people were asking me about it where you know, the six years prior where I knew what Bitcoin was, I don't think I had a single person ask me what Bitcoin was. Yeah, so just yeah. the level of, other than, you know, people I worked with in banking who were making fun of me for it, mm-hmm. those same people three years later in 2021, 2022 were asking me genuine questions about it. And so it was a really cool time to to get into it and really see it come to the forefront, become a mainstream conversation, right? It's not mm-hmm. the conversation, but it, comes on the platforms for for some political parties and that's kind of cool yeah we, we, i mean we were just talking about this offline and obviously you working at coindesk and us you know talking in the past you know what what do you see as because this this podcast and my focus is bitcoin but i was just telling you like i i don't get up in arms a lot with um if someone owns eth or if someone talks about other things right the things i typically get up in arms about when People say something's decentralized and it's not, or when a project says something, but it's a scam project, or when someone wants to regulate something in some way and take um, advantage of someone or, you know, criminal enterprises like SBF, like those are the things that I'm like, come on. I mean, people should have a, um, you know, should really think about these things. But but sure. for you, working at Coindesk, just thinking about the landscape when you think about things people hear and you know separating bitcoin from from crypto and all of this like what what importance do you place on that obviously when you were working at coindesk you were interacting with a lot of people that are just talking about crypto in general and you were the resident you know bitcoin yeah. bitcoiner but obviously far from like a bitcoin maxi in that like traditional way of um just up in arms about everything and the purity tests and things like that which i think can be super damaging um while at the same time, me personally, I'll be really convicted about, hey, for me and for human rights and for a lot of things I care about in the world, 
you know, I'm kind of here for the decentralized censorship resistant, like money. That, that's why I'm here. The, these other yeah. things are just different. So I, I don't, I don't compare it to apples and oranges when I talk about it. For you, when you're talking about friends, talking, talking with friends about this or just previously at Coindesk, you know, how do you think about crypto? Because some people would say like crypto is enemy number one, right? Or, or right yeah. up there with, uh, with, with how we think about Bitcoin. How do you think about these things? Yeah, uh, this is a fun one because I have an interesting experience, I think, I think from working at Coindesk mm-hmm. and the perception of Coindesk in Bitcoin land is, you know, it's just a bunch of shit coiners. Can I say shit on this podcast? A bunch yeah. of shit coiners? Yeah, yeah. And I would say, and this is again, trust, trust, don't trust verify, but you, I mean, there's no actually the more, tr- the more you curse on this, then I'll be like, Ooh, let me remember to put explicit on like the Apple podcast. Oh, nice. I, I think with like Laura and Ricky from Bitcoin Explorers, we said fuck like 15 times. I was like, okay. Cause if it's like said once or twice, I'm like, did we? Did we yeah. not? I'll just put explicit just in case. Well, I can avoid um, it if, anyway. if need be. And like, I don't think shitcoin is something that should get an E that's on. A, that, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a word now. That's not even a curse word. Yeah. Um, um, no, go, go ahead. So I think the perception is that, oh, it's just a bunch of shitcoiners. And to the credit of Coindesk, Coindesk had really, at least in the, the newsroom, there were two types of people in there. People who were legacy financial journalists or journalists in general. Mm. This is the next thing. They are unbiased, want to be unbiased, want to get the scoops, really care about getting the news out there and think they're the ones who can get it right. And they're here to push forward their their journalism career. Some really, really good people. I'm not going to say names because I think that would be inappropriate. Yeah, Those those people are here. I learned a lot from them about how to find scoops, how to do news. Mm. And then the other part, it's probably not half and half. It's probably 60% what I just said and Mm. the rest 40% of people who are genuinely convicted about the core tenets of what crypto which is you know some hell spawn of of bitcoin has created right yeah. there are people i work with who liked bitcoin way back in the day and didn't like how it wasn't private fully private mm. and so now they like monero and they like zcash mm. they're they work at coindesk they're not going to get in your face and talk about oh i'm a zcash or oh i'm a monero person but in a way, they're more like cypherpunk than you and I are. And yep. so I think working at Coindesk allowed me to realize that, hey, these conversations that happen on social media, these purity tests that you're talking about where, oh, if you're crypto, you're not Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That's just not how the real world is, right? If I sit yeah. down across from you and have a drink, have a meal, we can have a nuanced conversation about where we overlap and what mm-hmm. we want to get out of crypto yeah and so not quite sure if i answered your question there no no it was a good point you did yeah but i think that's an important aspect of it where the marketing ploy or the marketing rallying cry of it's not crypto it's bitcoin while i understand what you're saying there are a lot of people in crypto who are very much aligned with the core tenets of what bitcoin started as Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, an important thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And one one thing that, you know, like I, I was saying to you, you know, I'm trying to just think about, you know, kind of the point of me being here and getting into this that I've said this before. I mean, first of all, uh, a lot of it was me thinking about uh, my own life and situation, looking to the future as a millennial. That's kind of where yeah. it started a bit. Like I was, I've been working in nonprofits my whole career, which I still do today. Um, that was, that was a huge focus for me, but initially, cause I didn't know those properties of Bitcoin yet. Initially I was like, man, um, you know, whether it's interest rates, whether it's student loan debt, whether it's the housing market, all of these things, I mean, then, and now it's like not even yeah. funny, but, um, I was like, man, we're getting screwed. So it was kind of a, of a, um, for me, it kind of started with the, with the Occupy type movement and spirit yeah. of this. And once that, that started clicking for me. Then I got into the human rights stuff and Alex Gladstein stuff. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like all of these ways that we've wanted to make change before, like our generation, um, I think Bitcoin can help us out in a lot of ways and yeah. bring about, you know, as a tool for a lot of these things that we'd want to do without overstating that, um, being yeah. realistic on it. But also, you know, sometimes I kind of um, underestimated it as well with, with Bitcoin in general. Sometimes, you know, I, I kind of went to like, oh my gosh, it fixes everything. 
then I'm like, no, it, it really doesn't. And then I'm like, oh, it's start, it, it actually addresses kind of more than I thought. So it's kind of been that, that ebb and flow. But, um, you know, for, for me, a lot of it was just, I don't, I don't know what my future would look like yeah. unless there's some other option here. So it was a bit of that. I mean, selfish is the, uh, a word I could use, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but that's kind of how it started. And I think the important thing for everyone to listen to, a lot of people listening on here are, are Bitcoiners, are progressive. Yeah. You know, there's a few people stumbling in here that are just curious and just jumping around on YouTube, whatever. Yeah. I think the important thing for people who are in the space to think about is a lot of what you're talking about. If you were to sit down to dinner with someone and talk about it, how can you talk about it in a nuanced way without demonizing that other person or without going on the offense about why they are wrong? Because if you start a conversation that way, I mean, that, that's not a way to start a conversation. So I think in one way, maybe you at Coindesk as well was such a, um, a healthy environment in certain ways of just seeing all of these different complexities of this crypto landscape that a lot of Bitcoin at Maxis only just talk about, but they've never actually engaged with. Yeah. Right. And I, so I think that's why I kind of value you as such a, a, a smart person in the space. Um, I'm blushing. I say in, in, in the space. Um, that term, I'm just like, I say it so much, but I hear it. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Um, but just as, a, as, a, as someone who thinks and writes about these things and interacts and you have smart comments. I appreciate I that. There, there's something I want to latch onto there that you said. And I think it has to do with the, we all started that thinking that Bitcoin can fix everything. Mm. And you kind of brought it back and you said, okay, it's not going to fix everything, but it fix, fixes a lot more than you think it does. Mm. And I think being able to have that conversation really you can only really genuinely have it when you talk to people who aren't as deep and indoctrinated into Bitcoin like you and I potentially yeah. are. You know, I have friends who work in higher education funding, you know, like a lobbyist, but the good kind of lobbyists. We, mm. I have friends that work in medicine and you can talk to them. It's like, hey man, Bitcoin is great, but it's not going to give people malaria, like malaria nets or whatever the thing is that they need. Mm -hmm. I, I should think yep. there's an over surplus of malaria nets if I remember correctly. But anyway, something like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. good to talk to people who, you know, the main thing that I did for two years, the main thing that you've done for a while is you'll think and talk about Bitcoin. Mm. And that's not everyone's life. And it's good to, you know, talk to someone whose whole entire life is focused on getting you know, clean drinking water somewhere or, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get kids who are first generation college students funding so they can go to college. It's important yeah. to have those conversations. And maybe they can find some overlap in where Bitcoin can help and where Bitcoin might not be able to help, right? Mm. Bitcoin's not going to, you know, stop all epidemics and pandemics and things like that. We know that for a fact. So it's, it's, I think yeah. it's good to, to your point, understand that it can fix a lot of things, but also bring yourself back. It's not going to fix everything. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now, you can purchase the Bitbox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank Bitbox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah. And I mean, for me, one of the keys is like, I would love to get to a place where part of our, our efforts here and part of so many people's efforts is to get through a lot of the misinformation about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Can we get society to a place where we can understand a, a basic understanding of Bitcoin, such as yeah, it's not boiling the oceans. It's not just for criminals. You know, some of these basic tenets, that way we can have nuanced conversations about, okay, you know, it's not going to um, remove poverty. It's not yeah. going to fix, you know, income inequality. Um, maybe in some ways in a long-term game, I think it levels it a bit more uh, because inequality is absolutely insane, like wealth inequality. And I think on a whatever sort of, I don't like using the term Bitcoin standard anymore, but I, I'd say yeah. Bitcoin. Um, more mass adoption, like more people using Bitcoin, whether it's holding it on an ETF, which are so many different controversial takes on that, which I'd love to get your take on as well. Like, mm -hmm. you know, some people are like, that's terrible. Some people are like, that's amazing. And, you know, a lot of times there's, there's a lot of nuance here, whether it's people just holding their wealth, uh, more people using it. There's so many different contexts. Um, I think it will address some of these things, but, you know, being realistic about it, 
I think helps people, invites people in to be like, oh, man, let me look at Bitcoin. Because if you say, like Michael Saylor says, you know, Bitcoin is a, a swarm of cyber hornets and some AI image, they're like, what, what are you talking mean? about? Yeah, what, what does that mean? You know, it's not my cup of tea. But if you talk about like, this is what it did in my life. And oh, this is kind of what it's doing for like activists in Togo, like a specific situation. Um, this is what it's done compared to the S&P 500. This is what it can do for retirement. This is what it can do for your, you know, peer to peer. You don't have to rely on a bank account. Like just normal people are having trouble accessing like bank accounts. Can't even imagine the unbanked, right? So it's like, talk about it in a way that doesn't make it sound like a cult. That's kind of a place to start. And I had to sift through the cult stuff. Like when I first got in, it was 2021. It was the height of Bitcoin toxic maximalism. It's kind of been coming down a little bit. I had to sift through that and I'm glad I, I stuck through with it. But a lot of friends I've known haven't. And we can't just say, oh, just push through that, you know, whatever. Let's talk about it in normal ways. Yeah, I agree with that. And you, you mentioned yeah. the, the BlackRock ETF. And mm. I have, I, I mean, of course, we've talked about nuance this whole time. I think what's lost in this age, and this is not unique. A lot of people have said this has been in the age of internet points. Nuance is lost. We lose nuance, right? We have mm-hmm. entire political spectrum that looks like a barbell for a reason, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Score quick points. Don't use nuance. It's either right or wrong. There's no gray. And so my nuance here is that selfishly, it is the Bitcoin ETF is good for me. I have access to bank accounts. I have a 401k. I have an IRA. I have access to every single. I can get a mortgage. I can I can probably get a personal loan. Right. This is not me like mm-hmm. me bragging about my credit score, but like I am fully banked. Mm-hmm. I have Bitcoin in my quote unquote portfolio. The ETF is good for me. I believe that the Bitcoin ETF will bring more people to Bitcoin. I believe it will make the price go up eventually, right? It has mm. to. It simply has to. It doesn't make any sense that it, this isn't financial advice, but it just, it'd be crazy if the, it made the price go down. Mm. Anyone else who needs Bitcoin for the access to banking, right? The universal access to basic finance. I do think that it potentially hurts them. Mm. In in that, and I'm being, I might be, you know, wearing my tinfoil hat right now. But the system that exists now, which has led to whatever amount of unbanked people, underbanked people we have in this country and across the world, exists because of this system. This mm. system, the system's largest player is BlackRock. BlackRock is a $10 trillion asset manager. Mm. They're going to be playing in the game. I may not, again, it might be so cynical to say, I don't think that they're going to come in and fight for the little guy, fight for the unbanked, fight for the underbanked, because all they want to do is continue making money. Mm-hmm. For someone who's ready in the system, someone like me, great. It's awesome that Bitcoin number go up. But I think there's a world in which BlackRock, in which BlackRock, I'm going to use the word co-ops, but I don't mean that, co-ops Bitcoin in a way that serves their purposes. Today, Jamie Dimon said that if he was the government's, I think that's what he said, if I was the government's, I would shut it down. He's talking about Bitcoin. Mm. That one of the most powerful people in all of finance, in all of banking, and he thinks we should shut down. He was talking about crypto, but he thinks we should shut Bitcoin down. Mm. Does Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, does he think too differently from that? I think he thinks that he can make money, or BlackRock as an institution thinks they can make money off the ETF. They can kind of fit it into this regulatory box, make mm. some money, but they don't care about fixing the system. If they cared about fixing the system, they would just fix the system. Yeah, he he probably disband and retire and say, <laughs> I really, um, I regret being a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. I mean, they have so much money and it, it is, the whole system is really, it runs through BlackRock, it runs through the pension funds, it runs through these enormous centers of money that people, I mean, we're not going to talk about like the shadow banking system, the banking system, but mm. it, yeah. So to that, I... I personally am happy that the ETF is happening. I don't know if it's a net good for what Bitcoin is. Yeah, I 
I agree with you on that. I think for the most part, I think um, one of my more negative dystopian takes of the ETF situation is if, if um, Bitcoin is going to be regulated away from kind of its core use cases of peer to peer, personal property ownership, all of these things for for the U.S., but also then adopted worldwide by most developed nations and developing nations that would follow suit of either like the EU uh, regulations or U.S. regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their chance to do it, right? Like Bitcoin is too big to squash or to have people just not use it at all. Um, mm-hmm. If they can get enough people to only have it under this regulated way, they've kind of won in their books. And I think that's what we've seen in a lot of ways, whether it's SEC politicians, if they can fit it into the current financial system in which, it, in which it's just a mechanism to increase your U.S. dollar value, yeah, people will get excited about that. And that's exactly what's happening is people are thrilled about it. I'm thrilled about it. Like the, the amount of U.S. dollars, like, okay, a lot of these things I kind of got into Bitcoin about um, initially as that store of value, that store of value is going to increase. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am very fearful because of what you just said about, you know, Bitcoin's core tenants and purposes of this peer-to-peer electronic cash system that doesn't require any third-party custody. They're trying to require third-party custody and slowly get enough people on. Yeah. And there won't be as much of a demand for those personal properties, maybe what, you know, 1% of of Bitcoin maxis. But that said, my hope is that it's still enough of a Trojan horse where this thing is so much out of the box that companies keep building, individuals keep building, software developers keep building, and use cases keep increasing, and that money just goes through the roof into Bitcoin as it has already. Like People are forgetting there's only 21 million Bitcoin. Right. And, and I mean, less now, but continuing you know, the trajectory of inflation on this is pretty, pretty low. There's not a lot of Bitcoin out there to be bought and yeah. held that these ETFs are going to have to be doing. So my hope is that they get a little too ahead of themselves in terms of regulatory landscape and the cost and everything increases so much that the outer development of Bitcoin tools and and things built on the Bitcoin protocol is just so enormous that there's no way to even just manage this, um, even under the most stringent of political and regulatory circumstances. That's my, that's my hope. And I think on, on that, this might not be entirely related, but somewhat related is the, you talked about sort of the privacy te- privacy man up. This is a spoken medium, so whatever like inaccurate words I may use, I'm going to use the word censorship. I may not mean yeah, censorship. Yeah. I might mean filtering. Yeah, yeah. The core tenets of you know Bitcoin is uncensorable money. Mm-hmm. Even within Bitcoin right now, we have the, all the nerds are fighting about like mining. <laughs> Should I be mining ordinals? Like, is love you just pause. You're like all the nerds. I'm just like, trying to think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a really nuanced conversation they're having over there yeah. about yeah, yeah. this kind of transaction. You know, they don't like NFTs on Bitcoin, whatever, blah, blah, mm. blah. And so that level of quote unquote censorship is happening there. It's you say, okay, maybe these big companies do want to maintain their core tenants of Bitcoin. And I think something that is, I'm getting to my point, I promise. No, I think good. the thing that has really been exciting to me as someone who's like come into the work world in the past six or seven years and seeing how adults act is the, the pendulum is swinging away from people just saying, ah, whatever, like I'll share all of my data with anyone who asks of me. And it's kind of swinging back and where it's like, hey, hold on a second. You know, mm-hmm. recently I saw during the open AI nonsense with their corporate structure. I don't know if the Eight Sleep, which is you know that company that just has beds, I guess it's air conditioned beds that you have to connect. To I don't think I don't I don't think I've heard of this. Okay, so Eight Sleep is, I kind of used to think they were cool. Um, it cools down your bed to you mm-hmm. know sixty degrees and it helps you sleep better. Blah blah blah. Definitely not sponsored, guys. You also. But if to, they want to, I'm just yeah. Kidding. If they want to, oh god, yes, please. <laughs> How um, much? <laughs> but you have to connect it to an app as everything has to be connected to an app to share your data. And it takes your sleep data, how well you slept, blah, blah, blah. No big deal. But when the open AI debacle happened where Sam Altman was let go, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what happened. Mm. The CEO of 8sleep, I don't know if this is a joke, but I I think it wasn't because I did a little bit more research. He said that the sleep 
people lost sleep in San Francisco. And I can see that because of the data I have here. Mm-hmm. In a computer somewhere lies the data of your sleeping habits because you ordered an air-conditioned bed. I think consumers look at that now and they're starting to think, hey man, there doesn't have to be an app for everything. I don't yeah. have to make a login for everything. I just want you to deliver me some pizza. Like, do, mm. I, do I have to tell you my social security number, right? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a, a leap in logic, but I don't think we got too far off of that where the, the appization of everything and people now, I think rightfully so, are swinging the pendulum back where Apple, a company, one of the biggest consumer product companies in the entire world has said, I mean, this is marketing, so who knows what they actually do, that they, want, they are the most private option. Mm. great if i mean steve jobs like to say that we don't do market research because the market doesn't know what they want we know what they want and that's kind of baller the tim cook apple knows what the consumer wants and they pedal to that so if Mm. the consumer wants privacy i think it's a great thing that you know the populace the people are kind of swinging away from the share everything and so to your point maybe maybe these big companies will continue to build on Bitcoin and keep the core tenants alive because people, the, the people, capital P people are swinging back away from, you know, just sharing everything and saying, please say, save me, Mr. Corporate man, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't, I, maybe Apple is a bit more secure than the other major players, but obviously my ringing point would be like, not really. I mean, right. I mean, they're, they're, you know, like private, uh, but there's, there's so many other app options that are actually easier to use, uh, are easy to use, just as easy to use that are focusing on things just like, just like that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I mean, so much of it, I mean, it's interesting in, in talking with you and, and having you on the show, I kind of knew and left it open-ended for a reason. Cause I'm like, there's so many different things we could talk about and, and touch on, but I think so much of what we face just similar, you know, similar, similar age. I think some of the things I've heard, you th- I think we think about some of these things similarly as well. And what we're really looking at and, and is really exciting is, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's cliche to say, but there's just generational change, right? So even you talked about crypto before, there is a reason that people started to look into crypto, even if they didn't land on Bitcoin or th- there's just a general mistrust of these systems. There's a general like F you, like you've yeah. said this over and over again, you know, Mr. Politician, Mr. Bankman, whatever. And nothing is changing. Nothing has changed. Um, you know, we're going to take it from here. We're, we're going to take and run with it. And I think in general, if we can more so understand, that's where a lot of us are coming from. Um, and I've had this conversation with people recently, even like, uh, I mean, in, in our neck of the woods and in, in just this progressive camp, it's, you know, we can talk about like environmental issues and, and climate activists and things like that without cringing or without like shitting on them. But some of them and friends of mine, I'm like, listen, you've been doing this time and time again, and it's not really changing. Let's, let's start to look at some other solutions. But I consider them allies, like yeah. fighting the powers that be. And I think if more Bitcoin maxis, more whoever can see that so many of these different camps, that doesn't mean you agree on everything, but just see you know, what we're really fighting and who we're really fighting and who we're really up against. And I don't mean in some sort of like dystopian, like the world's ending tomorrow. I just yeah. mean over a long enough time, like things have been getting kind of like shittier and more covert ways since the seventies. Um, you know, it was pretty great for that generation. And then it's been slowly going downhill. Um, it's not looking too great on a long enough time horizon. That's what we're trying to chip away yeah. at. And, and that's the side we're on here. Yeah. You bring up the environmentalists and I think a lot of Bitcoiners think that they're fundamentally opposed to each other. But in reality, the, the root of what these people talk about are the same thing, right? Yeah. You say the you say the powers that be. Yes. They are doing bad. We can do better. Let's do better. Yeah. Yeah, we might not agree how to get there. But perhaps when they realize that the money's messed up, then it's okay that we spend energy on it, right? And also when yeah. you realize that it, you know, it uses a lot of the quote-unquote waste energy. There's a conversation to be had there, but they're after the same thing, right? We're all we're all V, right? We're all V from Vendetta. Like we are all yeah, V. Yeah. We're just going for we're trying to make it better, right? Things yeah. are beginning slightly worse, like you said. I'm repeating exactly what you said and just totally agreeing with you, my man. <laughs> um, what, um, 
one thing I've always been mystified about is, and it's funny, I have a couple of other friends that are similar to yourself that uh, write short stories, write novels, and are really focused on that. And I love talking to writers, but sometimes I also find it challenging because um, thinking, like I've always been really jealous. I can't write fiction. I'm awful. Oh, I don't know if I can either. I'm trying. Writing fiction, but you're like attempting, like I, I can't even... I don't know. It, it just doesn't compute. I, I view that as I'm, I, I think that's the one thing I'm so jealous of is people that can even fumble through um, fiction or, or poetry or just really good writing. Um, and one of the things that I'm trying to think through is just, you know, talking with you now is how you view the political landscape. Um, obviously, this is the progressive Bitcoiner. I've said on this show so many times, I don't know how I feel about that word. Like it's called the progressive Bitcoiner. We use TPB a lot. We're trying to play around with different terms because that word is polarizing. Mm-hmm. But also it's because, um, and a lot of people that are in Bitcoin from whatever political camp, but I think especially progressives are typically from those that I've spoken to and those that I know really well are really disenfranchised progressives. They either were Bernie progressives or yeah. Occupy leftists or whatever. And the political parties that be, but especially, I mean, especially not, not even considering the, what I would consider the clown show of like a Republican party, but the democratic party as well is just a corporatism and elite for a very long time. Now there's a lot of politically homeless people that, you know, they understand like in the U S the word progressive means something elsewhere in the world. People don't really know what that word means. They're like, Oh yeah. You talk about some values and they're like, Oh yeah, I kind of feel that way. Right. A lot of people in Europe, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you look at like political identities, the political landscape, thinking about a word like progressive uh, leftist movements, all of this, like what does that look like in this post Bitcoin is kind of here now world and like AI world and just all of these other things, right? It it doesn't have to focus on just one thing. Um, I see these paradigms just breaking down massively, but I don't know what's next, I guess. It's it's really gray for me. I would agree with you that I think it is very gray because I live in DC, so mm. I am in and around the politico culture. Yeah. And God I bless f- you. I know. <laughs> and I, I, I have friends that are almost all my great close friends are not in politics at all. Yeah. There's you know, it's like a thriving community here. That's not not yeah. just I lo- the, I love DC, but I also have yeah. friends that live in DC who are in politics and I'm like Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. It's <laughs> politicals and def- defense contractors mostly, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing you see here is that, and it's probably true everywhere, is that, and I think this is what you're kind of suggesting, the celebrity politician exists. And mm. I mean, we, the president before Joe Biden was, for all intents and purposes, a celebrity before he became the president, right? Yeah. President Trump was a celebrity and then became president. It's not exactly what I'm saying here, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that people... Don't the way you win your internet points is, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. The way you win your internet points is to be as polarizing and as polarized as possible. If that mm-hmm. means you're a progressive, you're a liberal, and you want to latch your name onto the progressive movement and pretend to be a progressive, and then the moment you're put in front of a bunch of Wall Street CEOs, you decide that it's not time to ask the right questions and you want to just dunk on crypto because that's what yeah. XYZ research uh, publicist says you should do you do that yeah it's embarrassing who would you be who could you be talking about that doesn't like ring a bell that's so yeah weird to me um Um, yeah my favorite senator that i mentioned like every yeah and we don't have to say her name but voldemort (laughs) i'm just kidding talking about elizabeth warren for for the two people that don't know who you were talking about so it's a little bit too subversive um yeah i'm kind of stumbling through this because i'm trying to be careful with what i say in that the thing I like about this might be going to tangent, but the thing I like about Bernie Sanders, I wouldn't even say I'm even close to whatever. What do they call themselves now? Democratic socialists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I, for a while now, that's the that's the term he used more on his campaign trail at the time. Yeah. And so I don't think I really align with that. It may be hard for me mm-hmm. to to actually say that I'm pretty like capitalistic, if you will. Yeah. At least he's been consistent through mm-hmm. it all, and. Yeah when it came to time to yell at the people you're supposed to yell at from the platform that you were elected Mm -hmm. on, 
at least he did that. And I don't yeah. think this- Dude, you know why? I have a theory. Go ahead. It's because he's like from Brooklyn and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like from if you're from Brooklyn, you're like, I don't care what people think about what I have to say. This is my feeling. Like he, he's a deep-rooted um, individual. I've always given him credit on that. So I think I align with you on that as well. Like one of the tenants that I would um, veer from that my good friend Logan and I talked about on on recently though, that episode will probably be out by the time uh, this one comes out cool. was, you know, once you get into Bitcoin, I think some of those um, economic realities of progressivism, you start to be like, hmm, I don't think that's going to work out the way that we thought, right? Once you start learning. So you veer a little bit from the, the economic policies, but you still try to find a way to have those values reimagined or, or those values come to life. That's what, that's what sticks through with progressives that find themselves deep into Bitcoin, I think. Yeah. And I think to that, so, okay. Yes. Totally agree with you. Totally there with you. To the point on, you know, Bernie Sanders being genuine and and Mm -hmm. others, politicians not. There's a wave, there was a wave of politicians who weren't genuine and they just wanted to, they did what the party needed to do to get them in the seats, blah, blah, blah. Right. Josh Lyman type stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Although he was pretty uh, principled, I think when it came down to it, but he, you know, he's a TV character. So who cares? Mm -hmm. I think there's a new wave of these young politicians who've come out and feign being genuine. I'm not going to even call mm-hmm. out names here. I hope and pray that their veneer that's on them of like, oh, I am the good kind of, cons- the new type of conservative or the new kind of progressive. Yeah, I think I hope and pray that we see through that mm-hmm. as a society. I think we will. Is that what it looks like in the post Bitcoin world? Maybe. Is it because of Bitcoin? I'm more skeptical of that. I would love to hear yeah. if you think it's because of Bitcoin or if it's just because people are tired of bullcrap. I don't think so. I think um, well, I think people need to remember, and a lot of folks know this, but I don't know, like it's it's really clicking for me in this moment. Like, why did Bitcoin happen? It's because of the events that were happening in the world. Like, yes, it it was a lot of uh, e-cash and different cypherpunk movements that were building for a couple of decades before that, that kind of built and the pieces fit together just perfectly. And Satoshi found a way to do that with kind of pre-existing things. But then it also was spurned at a particular moment in history and time. So it's like, is Bitcoin causing these things to be, you know, the, the structures to start crumbling and this and that? No, I think it's a, it's a piece in that story. Um, and I'm such a believer in, I, I don't know if it's a pseudo philosophical camp i wouldn't say it's really a philosophical camp but um kind of sociologically like charismatic leader and those individuals thrusting history forward whether it's like jesus of nazareth gandhi like these different individuals martin luther king jr nelson mandela um satoshi's on that list and, and i don't want to be like cheesy and cliche with that i think there are different moments and bitcoin is kind of thrusting forward what already was there and building so that's kind of how i view it um, and then Bitcoin is actually just that tool to keep us fighting against power that we already know is eroding, fighting against politicians that we've known for a while are lying and are not in good faith because they're just trying to get reelected. And they don't even know it sometimes. But that's the game. Like politicians were not meant to be a career. That was not, I mean, part of me is like, who gives a fuck about the founding fathers and what they thought? But also the founding fathers, like a lot of early congressmen, leaders, didn't go there. They would go for two years and then they'd go back on their farm and like yeah. work. Like it was not a noble position. It was like you serve your duty and then you go back to whatever you were doing. Like Abe Lincoln, I think he served like two years in Congress and then went back to Illinois and like did his lawyer thing and lived in like a one room, whatever apartment for like a few years until they pulled him back to run for president. Um, nowadays, the world looks completely different and yeah. society's kind of billowing in so many fronts and Bitcoin's kind of here uh, as a tool. Um, Trey, I think I that's know. perfectly said and adding anything to that would really just downgrade what you just said. <laughs> I think it's, we're at a precipice of what? point where people are pissed off. We're pissed and we have this tool. Yeah. We're going to go use it in the same way in 08 and 07 people were pissed. Yeah, that's, that's my hope. And I, uh, that, that's what's happening. I hope it happens on the grandest scale possible. While you know, revolutionary violence is at the lowest possible outcome. I, I think that's, um, and again, I don't want to just, oh, let's clip this and make it some like clickbait thing of like revolution and, and Bitcoin. It's more just like, 
I mean, there are a lot of things happening around the globe, uh, things yeah. happening within our nation that are just billowing and building. Mm-hmm. And I don't hope, I, I hope there's not a collapse um, uh, of systems, whether it's like financial systems, um, social safety net systems, like government debt. Um, there could be at some point. I don't think it's imminent. Um, I, I hope there's not. Uh, some Bitcoiners hope there is, and I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I don't think the falling apart of our entire societal structure is good. Even yeah. if we think society sucks, even if we think that the government sucks, even if we think that the economy sucks, them completely falling apart just to be rebuilt again, mm-hmm. that's, that's not the way to do it. It doesn't, it, there's so much pain attached with burning structures down and rebuilding them. Yeah. And so I hope that there's not a complete meltdown to your point. Yeah. One thing I find us naturally talking about now, and I keep saying Coinbase, so I'll go back to it, is the, uh, we were talking about the Coinbase ads um, recently that are focusing on like millennials. And I mean, for me, just me personally, whatever I see, like millennials are finding blockchain. Like I just hate that word. I hate that this just mumbo jumbo. And a lot of Bitcoiners have subbed in like, oh, Bitcoin at the end of that ad when actually it said like Coinbase or something like that. Um, but for those that haven't seen this, this ad that's going around, it's kind of like, um, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different ones, but it's basically arguing that millennials are not born into the same life and system that their parents and grandparents inherited in in a lot of ways. And it's a lot harder to, to get by. And then at the end, it's like, it doesn't have to be this way. There's a different way. Um, you know, we would articulate that, that Bitcoin is that way. What do you think and foresee in terms of the next year when we think about more people are going to hear and learn about Bitcoin again with price action. All of these things are already starting to, to trickle in. I mean, the Google search um, analytics are really funny based on um, price as well. Like kind of Google searches correlate with the price of Bitcoin going up, uh, which is always interesting. It did in 2021 at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you envision in terms of folks learning and hearing about Bitcoin? And what do you think that will look like? Do you think that we're going to get like a lot of people actually coming into to Bitcoin and actually being like, you know what, Elizabeth Warren, this is really important for me. Or do you think we're still a ways out from people being willing to like vote on those type of things or really care about having it to use and spend at retailers or really, you know, wanting to have a, a good amount in their, their 401k or their, or their personal cold storage, things like that. You know, what do you, what do you see in terms of the next phase of potential mass adoption? Or do you think we're still a ways out from that? I think we're still a ways out. Mm. Only, again, I could probably be wrong because I talked about this, you know, parabolic growth earlier. I could be wrong. I still think that there's a level of complete systematic subversion that's buried into Bitcoin that Mm. even our most excited individuals aren't too, too excited about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point about this Coinbase ad about how millennials are all mad about the system and the system we've inherited, I think that is, there's a lot of good energy that goes into that from millennial millennials. Mm-hmm. We are angry. We are pissed. We got this system from really our parent. Our parents didn't do anything really to change. I know that sounds so mean, but like, mm-hmm. they kind of just perpetuated the system, right? Oh, yeah, people yeah. went to college, you go to college and that's how you get your good job and you do, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Generation before that, and re- I guess kind of the one before that post-war, they're the ones you have the great generation and they built some stuff and changed some structures around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a structure we have now, but we have a chance to, I know it sounds so cheesy, like, like you're suggesting, but we have a chance to do something big. Mm-hmm. And so I think with our generation being pissed off, being excited about making change, being potentially a golden generation sometime in the future. This upcoming bull run or post ETF world, people will take a more serious look at Bitcoin. Mm. I still think that as great as this generation is going to be one day, we still have so many biases that are put into our heads from social media, from, you know, there's right, there's wrong. There's no gray. And so I think that simple price appreciation because of a Bitcoin ETF is not going to lead in the short term to the kind of change you want to see through Bitcoin. Yeah. Will there be more adoption? Absolutely. Is it going to be exactly the adoption we want? That one, I'm not so sure because mm. I see 
the kinds of people who are quote unquote respected in the space. And a lot of them got respected or gained their respect because they made a lot of money Mm. and they made money in a bull run. And then they leveraged their Bitcoin to make more Bitcoin. And that is great and works well until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And they just so happen to time everything perfectly, right? If 10,000 people try something, one of them is bound to get it right if it's a timing thing. And so I'm very hesitant to say that everything is going to be great and super dandy in the next year because mm-hmm. of from a Bitcoin perspective. Yeah. Do you, um, I know you're working on your, your novel. Do you anticipate yourself that you'd be comfortable sharing, um, doing things in this space again? Like, what do you, what do you think in terms of what you had been doing in the space, um, for a little bit building up quite a bit of, you were running kind of like what I would call a bit of like a Bitcoin show and doing different things at at CoinDesk. And I think you did a variety of things there that I, I felt like a lot of people really appreciated and liked. And I know from my perspective, one thing I liked about CoinDesk is I felt a bit safer uh, sharing articles from CoinDesk compared to some other crypto sites. Let's put it that way. Because Bitcoin Magazine was a, it, and is a, a Bitcoin maxi site. Like, I don't want to discredit, like I, I publish in, in Bitcoin Magazine. I love mm-hmm. a lot of the folks at Bitcoin Magazine. But so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in, in some ways, but some people might say, oh, that's, that's confirmation bias. That's Bitcoin Magazine, whatever. And then CoinDesk is still crypto. You know, some people will say if it's coins in the name of it, you can't really trust it, right? But yeah. like you were saying, there are a lot of folks and were and, and still are a lot of folks at CoinDesk that are very reputable journalists um, focusing on those things. So I, I gave them credit for a lot of things on that end. Um, but anyway, what do you see um, yourself interested in doing? Do you feel like, you know, I don't know what if I want to professionally contribute in the space. Um, what do you see in terms of, you know, the Bitcoin space going forward for you? Yeah, I appreciate you being willing to say live and on air that you appreciate the work I did because you know sometimes you write stuff and it goes into the void you don't know if people care about what you're saying so I appreciate that and I appreciate yeah. you saying that I was part of the reputation that CoinDesk built you know still yeah. CoinDesk but I appreciate you saying that mm-hmm. in terms of me getting you know back into it professionally I only struggle with it because I do think that there is a large amount of People, it sounds like I'm getting mad at you now. Who you know, do podcasts, write blogs, mm. and there's a oh, lot yeah, of yeah. talking and writing, and not enough doing. And yeah. on one hand, as someone who I believe I am, someone who has a good, nuanced voice and who can cut through the bullcrap, I should be in the space, you know, trying to help cut through it. Mm-hmm. However, still perpetuating the idea of okay i need to get clicks on this so i need to maybe make my title this and maybe i don't say this sense this way and maybe i shouldn't piss off this bitcoiner because of this bitcoiner if he shared my article and he agreed with it then i'd have a bigger name and then i can say my stuff and blah 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 blah, blah. and so i think for now i would say that going back and doing exactly what i was doing before which was writing you know opinion pieces about bitcoin really and how it fits into the broader landscape i don't think there's necessarily a need for George Kaloudis to be doing that Mm. only because I think there are so many voices out there and it's so hard to find good people like you, Trey. (laughs) Um, Mm. Again, it's not like I'm pandering to you, but there are a lot of podcasts out there. There are a lot of people who write about Bitcoin. I used to take in a lot of that content Mm. and I wouldn't say that most of it is good. And so do I want to be part of the cacophony? I yeah. don't for now. That's my answer. Finally. No, I, yeah, no. And I, I appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, full transparency, I think about that a lot. Cause there is a joke. Yeah. Oh, do we need another Bitcoin podcast, another right. crypto podcast? And one of the things that, you know, I inherited this endeavor, Mark Stefani, um, great friend, uh, started this back in December, 2021 took a step back for so many different reasons, but there's a time and place for everything. And some people are just like, I need to take, uh, to take yeah. a step back from stuff. I wanted to help with this podcast. He was like, do you want to host it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I, wanna, I want to see this move forward. Like, there needs to be more like left voices in, in Bitcoin. Yeah. Hopefully at some point, there doesn't need to be, sure. right? <laughs> it won't be like a thing to talk about so much. Yeah. Um, so I had to think, is this going to be something that can be different and I try to think about that, but not in too much of a way to where I'm so in my head that I can't like be present with a guest. 
or that I think too hard about like, no, I need to get this perfect guest at this right time. And you just don't act like sometimes you just need to do it's this fine balance. But I think about it a lot. And the only reason I wanted to do this is because I think it can be something different in the space. But also I've said on here, I'm like, I am a white dude running a Bitcoin podcast. We do need to see a bit different folks coming in. So the least I can do is try to share stories of other people that don't look like me and don't talk like this. Um, In, in this avenue but and for the people anyway. who've made it this far through my bumbling stumbling answers uh, as i jump here. around everywhere i would say for whatever my opinion is worth is that what you're doing is actually different and is actually important bitcoin has for better for better or for worse has mm. been a conservative minded movement through its first decade yeah yeah we don't have we don't have progressive voices you know the resistance money guys are doing great Yep. You are part of that counter conversation to, you know, the libertarian right. And that is an important piece of the puzzle. I wouldn't have agreed to come on this if I didn't think this was important. I wouldn't have agreed mm. to get out of my, my cave with my long hair if I didn't think what is happening here is really important. And I wish you guys the best. This, that is not what I was doing at Coindesk. And that is mm. personally why I wouldn't probably go back to Coindesk, you know, unless I really need healthcare and some money. Yeah, <laughs> because healthcare is God, run, that's a whole other topic because healthcare runs through corporations in this country and that's mm-hmm. good and bad depending on how good the company work for is anyway progressives yeah, know yeah, about yeah. that more than i do yeah 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 well i i really hope i mean first of all i'm excited to to see and keep talking with you about how we can bring your novel to life <laughs> and, and and to see you doing that and i think another important point that you you didn't really mention explicitly but that folks want to mention it's kind of funny it's come up with a lot of guests about like um one guest even said like um bitcoin helped me or just having some flexibility with bitcoin helped me actually do and live the life the way i wanted to and it wasn't like a, oh i selfishly try to get as rich as possible but it's more like it expands horizons and one of the things that you mentioned was like okay doing some of that also learning about some personal finance stuff people benefit from that individually by hopefully having more money to have to stress about these other things less mm-hmm. um and bitcoin has performed really well <laughs> uh, against some other things you were laid off that creates other opportunities i was laid off that creates opportunities you know so there, there's these different things um but i think in general almost every guest i've had on has also had a moment where they're like at some point i just kind of realized i want to be doing what feels right for me and if it's you know this bitcoin venture great if it's taking a step back great whatever that is really focusing on on that and i think our generation is is pretty focused on that you know we our generation cuts through a lot of the bullshit of like yeah. no boss i'm not gonna stay until like eight just because what like no this is work what are you talking about or, or whatever i, I think yeah. we're we're cutting through the bullshit so in a lot of ways bitcoin cuts through like the financial bullshit and the way millennials and especially gen z and other generations live is cutting through the other bullshit of like you have to listen to this authority or you have to just vote for this politician because they're the color that you like yeah. of, of this like blue and red system. Um, yeah. You have to listen to this authority, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah. I, I think those days are coming to a close as well in a, in a good way. I hope. Yeah. I, I think I saw a little small movement right before, I mean, now we're bull markets, everyone or mm-hmm. starts a bull markets. Everyone talks yeah. about price just before in the past, like six months or so, I'd say, there's been quote unquote a movement where being a Bitcoiner didn't mean you were a blogger or a podcast host or you worked in Bitcoin. It meant that mm-hmm. I am a dentist, I am a plumber, I yeah, am a yeah, HVAC yeah. guy who just likes Bitcoin. Yeah. And that is fantastic. And I think yeah. that is very, very hopeful. You're, you're ending on a hopeful to- to- tone. I will also end on a hopeful tone because I think mm-hmm. after the price goes crazy and whatever happens after that, there will be more dentist, plumber, HVAC guy, Bitcoiners. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, George, we, um, I don't, I don't know if we talked about several of the things that I said we were going to talk about and that's okay. Cause I just wanted to chat with you cause I, I think you're great. Um, I think a lot of other people think you're great and would be excited to hear from you on this podcast. Um, before we close, I'll do the classic if people want to follow along with whatever your random thoughts are on the day, which I enjoy your Twitter. I don't want to boost your ego too much, but like I enjoy it. Um, you know, or whatever else if people can kind of keep in mind, you know, I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like your passion is writing 
whether it's because some days you like hate it so much and it's yep. just torture or some days it's euphoric and you think you're the best. Uh, I know what that's like to to write and feel that way. So where yeah. can people follow along and, and, and find you? Man, I'm active on Twitter. You know this on Twitter at G-C-K-A-L-O-U-D-I-S. Find me there. Follow me. DM me. I'll probably respond. If you at me, you'll definitely get a response out of me, especially if you're nice. Um, if you're mean, probably catch a block and that's okay. But that's where you can find me. Well, thanks, man. This was fun. We'll do it again. Hopefully, and, uh, hopefully your fans enjoy it. You're, you're big fans. Big yeah, great fans. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, George. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, man. See you, Trey.